Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Our lesson today comes from Psalm 139, verses 1 to 4. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path in my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. The word of the Lord. What well, has been a real joy and honor to be here the last three days. Thank you for having me. Thank you to those of you who have actually come back after hearing me. It's a, a shock and a real act of grace, so thank you. And um, today I need to tell you that I've been going in the mornings over to the public library. As you probably know, there's the new modern building, but if you head across the third floor, you can come to this beautiful old research library. It's sort of neoclassical and very nice, a nice place to sit. But I started digging through the archives and there's a lot of information about all of you, um, just really about Birmingham. There's even stuff about my hometown. I was surprised. But in the course of going through the archives, I've discovered a secret that applies to everybody here this morning. There's not a single exception, myself included. And what I have discovered, and what I now feel I can confidently reveal to all of you, probably much to your shock and horror, is that I know your deepest desire and your most fundamental fear. And I'm going to tell you what it is. You may not know, but the research library does know. And this is what I've discovered. And I really discovered it in Psalm 139. What I've discovered is that your and my deepest desire is this. We want, at the same time, to be both known and loved. We want someone who really knows us, the real us, not the person that we need to always try to be, not the person that we present, not our representative, but the real us. And we want that person who really knows us to love us, to stay, to not look away, to say, I know you and I love you. But here's our biggest fear. Our biggest fear is that we cannot have both at the same time. We're sure that if someone really knew us, they wouldn't be able to love us. That the real me is not a person that could be loved. And so because of this fear, because we are sure if someone really knew us, they couldn't love us, we basically live life as a masquerade. We have to wear masks, knowing that if they really saw us, they couldn't love us. But this doesn't work either. Because now, if someone says, I love you, to the you that's wearing the mask, you know it's not the real you. And so you know you're not known, and you know you're not loved. And life goes round and round. And our deepest desire feels unmet, and our most fundamental fear feels like our daily life. And 
The place where I first saw this was when I was watching Phantom of the Opera. Many of you will have seen it, and by many, I mean I'm sure all of you have seen it. Everyone has seen it, but it's a story about a person who wants to be loved, but who has to wear a mask. The Phantom has a physical deformity on his face, so he wears a mask, but he's madly in love with this talented young singer named Christine. And he tries to woo her with the things that he's good at, the things he can show her. He teaches her music, he sings to her, he comes to her in the night, but she never sees him. And he needs to hide. She says he's an angel of music, he comes like a ghost, but she never sees him. And this is really what the whole musical is about. There's actually a song right in the middle, a big ballad, called Masquerade. Right? It says, Masquerade, paper faces on parade, hide your face so the world will never find you. Which is a pretty nice description of life. I don't know if you've ever thought about the etiquette associated with first impressions, things like job interviews and first dates. We basically have a whole system of etiquette that boils down to this. Don't be yourself. Right? <laughs> Go to a job interview, and when they say, what's your weakness? In a tricky way, tell them a strength. You know, well, I hate to admit it, but I'm a perfectionist. I work too hard. Uh, this is what we do. But there's this amazing moment in The Phantom of the Opera where a mask actually does come off. It's toward the end, they're singing the song Don Juan, and the Phantom looks this girl, Christine, who he loves in the eyes, and right before he sings these words, the mask is taken off, and he sings, Christine, I love you. And she turns away. She rejects him. And in that moment, I felt at least, and perhaps you felt, your most fundamental fear shown to you. Somebody was seen, they were known, and they were not loved. And the place in my life, I think, where the mask came most clearly off was when I had children. I thought all sorts of flattering things about myself until I had children. And I am convinced that children are God's special ops team, sent like a group of ninjas to de deconstruct our carefully constructed layers of identity. I mean, if you thought about this, they come in, they have brilliant tactics. The first thing they do is they weaken you. They take away your sleep. They get your defenses down. And then, while you're tired, they start making just outrageous demands, like, feed me multiple times a day, every day. And before you know it, you're looking at yourself in the mirror after putting the kid back to bed at 3 a.m., and you're thinking, I didn't know I could think, feel, act like this towards something so beautiful and helpless and, I'll admit it, annoying as this. And you have to look yourself in the mirror, and you at least, for a moment, know yourself. And I wound up asking myself, well, gosh, if this is the real me, could anyone love me? But I have great and terrible news from Psalm 139. We are known. The psalm says, You have searched me and known me, O Lord. 
We are known. God caught the hidden income that the IRS missed. He noticed the lie that fooled our spouse. He felt the frustration that our kids overlooked. We are known by God. And when we stand at that place of being known, which is that place where God's demand, where he says to us, be righteous, and God's diagnosis, where he says, no one is righteous, at that point where they intersect, that crossroads of the human condition, be righteous, no one is righteous. Right there, we are fully seen, fully known. And we open the Bible and we find that it's already written our biography. You turn to a passage like Romans 7 and you think you're reading your diary. Probably not because you probably couldn't be that honest in your own diary. But you've probably at least thought it. And it says, the good that I want to do, I don't do. And that which I don't want to do, I do do. I don't understand myself. And you say, I'm known. I'm described. God knows you. And the first reaction is fear. It's exactly what Adam and Eve did when they ate of the fruit. The voice of God calls out and it said they hid themselves from God. The first thing we do is run. But as Psalm 139 goes on, it says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Before God, there is nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. We are known. Which leaves only one question worth asking in life. If we are known, can we be loved? Can we be loved? And to answer that, I just want to read you a couple verses from Romans chapter 5. And as I read them to you, I want you to pay close attention to two things. Notice the who and the when of God's love. Pay attention to who he loves in these verses, and pay attention to when he loves them. He even loves you if your cell phone is ringing. It's an amazing thing. But listen, listen to the who and the when. We planned that. It worked very well. This is what it says. It says, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in this way. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath to come. For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, how much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? So the who of God's love in Romans 5 says four things. He loves weak, sinners, ungodly, enemies. That's who he loves. But it also tells us when he loves them. It says, while we were weak, while we were still sinners, while we were ungodly, while we were enemies, he loves real people while they are still real people. He loves us while 
we were, weak, sinners, ungodly, and enemies. He loves us while we're still gossiping about our friends, while we're still working late and avoiding our families. He loves us while we're still confused about how the life we dreamed of became the life that we're actually living. He knows that person, and he says to you, in the immortal words of Bridget Jones' diary, I love you just the way you are. He says, I love you by sending Jesus for you. He says, I love you by saying, I forgive you. And this kind of self-giving and forgiving love is a love that comes to the real you, to the you behind the mask, to you while you were still a sinner, while you were still weak. Now it comes to the husband and the father who's just fighting to make it, but also feels guilty that he's not seeing his family that much because he's working a lot. It comes to the man or the woman whose kids are grown and gone and just wishes they were, would call more. It comes and says, I know you and I love you. It comes to the young man who's trying to impress his father, his boss, or that girl and just can't seem to get noticed. It says, I know you and I love you. It comes to the young mom who is just barely holding on, whose dream of having children has turned into a bit of a nightmare. And it says, I know you, and I love you. It comes to the woman who can't stop comparing herself to other people, and yet would also prefer not to look in the mirror. And God says, I know you, and I love you. God knows your sin. God knows your secrets. He sees what's behind the mask. And he says to that person, to the real you, when he's looking you right in the eyes, when he sees the you that you hide from yourself and from others, the you that you're sure if anyone knew they could never love, he says to you, I know you and I love you. And that's what he's saying to you right now. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. In you, I am well pleased. I know you, and I love you. And there, and only there, the masquerade can end. We are fully known, and so we're free to say with St. Paul, Who will deliver me? but we are also fully and finally and forever loved. And so we are free to sing with St. Paul, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.